Hey gearheads and welcome to GT Garage Talk, a discussion about all things automotive. I am your host Corey and on this week's episode I have a very fun conversation about motorsport, about vehicle testing, about EVs, about internal combustion, about Top Gear, about a little bit of everything in the automotive industry. I, I could have gone on and on and on. I, I don't know as I'm sitting recording this intro just how long this episode is, but I feel it could have very easily gone to two hours. I'm not saying it is. I'm putting that out there right now. I'm not saying this is a two-hour episode, but I feel like a two-hour episode could have been interesting all the way through. I had a, absolute blast talking with this week's guest, Jake Thevis. I pray I got that right because it has been a moment since I checked with him on the pronunciation there. German last name, so French last name over here. Respect living with a difficult to pronounce, at least looking at it on a piece of paper last name, but so much fun talking to Jake this week. We talk, like I said, a little bit of motorsport in his company, Out Motorsports. We talk a little bit about car testing, a little bit of everything. We 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 align on a whole lot of topics and it again, was just great talking. So without me just blabbering on in the intro all day long, I will just jump to the episode. And we welcome Jake onto the episode. Jake, how are you doing? Great. Glad to be here. Well, it, it is great to have you. I, I have been busy catching up on interviewing people from throughout the industry, from all different backgrounds, and very excited to sit down and talk with you today about uh, where you come at the automotive industry. I know you test vehicles. You're in a fun one right now. But why don't you give our listeners kind of a, a scope of your angle on the automotive industry? Yeah, for sure. So, so my background, I've always been into cars, but my background, uh, started off in amateur motorsports. So, okay. um, you know, getting into to high performance driver education and then getting into time trials and wheel to wheel racing, um, was my start with all of this. And then I started writing about what I was doing, which got me into more of the automotive media industry. Uh, long story, very, very short. Um, and then that opened some doors for uh, testing new cars. And then um, my organization has started hosting our own motorsport events and street drive events. So you do a little bit of everything. <laughs> like you... we, we sure try. So we'll get into like the the early days and uh, starting to write about. And how, how did that all come about? Like what what avenues opened before you? Well, so so when you're doing amateur motorsport, you know, one of the most important things you can do as you're growing as a driver is just keep a log and keep track of how did this event go? What did I learn? What do I want to do different next time? So I was I was posting on my college car clubs discussion forum back when those were a big thing. <laughs> and uh, this all coincided with my coming out process. And some of the first people I came out to were my friends at NASA at VIR um, okay. and Summit Point. So long story long, ended up talking to a friend of mine who's uh, also gay and into motorsports and was doing the same thing with SCCA up in New Jersey. And we said, hey, we should start a website just writing about what we're doing and maybe see if there's others like us who are having a, a good time doing it. So we started writing 
and just again talking about our experiences and you know I went and autocrossed I went and did time trials and you know I drove my car into a tree or whatever and uh, that then turned into me being invited to join our local automotive press association and uh, things just kind of snowballed from there. That is awesome. Very organic in nature. And just, again, following your mm-hmm. passions, po- following stuff you enjoyed doing and exactly. just being genuinely yourself in the process. And, and it blossomed and, like you said, snowballed from there. That's great. That's awesome. So uh, you mentioned it, but you haven't dropped uh, the name of it yet. Your organization <laughs> is? Is Out Motorsports. Okay. So uh, our, our goal, we we eventually transitioned from just being two guys writing about what they were doing to having more of a focus on getting more LGBTQ people, meeting each other, doing car things, doing amateur motorsport. Okay. You know, our, our focus is to get people together to play with cars. So how has that side of your passion, amateur motorsport specifically, how has that changed and evolved as things snowballed for you? I mean, I've only gotten deeper down the rabbit hole right. with that. Um, I'm on my third track car, two of which have been full-on cage race cars. Okay. Um, and, you know, like I said, we're, we're starting to host our own events, not to compete with the NASA's and grid lifes of the world, but more to be a great way for people to get their feet wet and try some sort of motorsport without committing to a full weekend of beating up their car. Okay, okay. So what what kind of events going deeper down that line of thought, what kind of events are y'all putting on? Like how often, how frequent, where? Well, the, the frequency is picking up because we're hearing from people, you know, a lot of these have been very East coast focused and people are are messaging us from all over the country saying, Hey, please come to my neck of the woods next. So 2023, I think is going to be a big year with us going further West than the East coast shoreline. Um, but we're doing a mix of track events and we call them track cross. So it's basically autocross format. So, you know, fastest from point A to point B, but on a portion of a real racetrack. Um, okay. So we do those for like a two day weekend sort of deal. And you can run almost anything with those. And we add in a sort of top gear style cheap car challenge. So nice. we pick a theme every year. You can keep the car for all the events in the year. And uh, we have seen some pretty fantastic, terrible cars show up. So we do those. We're hoping to do those elsewhere, you know, throughout the country as we grow next year. And then we also do just street drives. So we call them road rallies, but um, the whole point of those is more of a social thing, less competitive. And just to get people to show up, we'll, you know, make a drive route that's about a hundred miles long on some really good, you know, windy roads wherever we are. And again, point A to point B. And then there's usually like a group dinner and, you know, some, some socializing, and we try to get a hotel block so people can, you know, spend the night and hang out all night and not worry about how they're getting home. Nice, nice. So uh, I, I have to dig in a little bit deeper because I host an annual event called the Unlikely Heroes Car Show, where mm-hmm. we focus on all the vehicles that would normally never, ever, ever, ever make it into a car show, like held together by duct tape, chewing gum, whatever the case may be. So leads me to say what kind of crazy vehicles have you seen show up to some of your event well so so last year you'll like this one last year's theme was orphaned makes and models so things that are not on sale currently um 
we had a lot of goofy stuff show up for that one. Um, you know, Mercury's and Pontiacs and Saturns and, uh, you know, that's you're hurting my heart right now. (laughs) Just listening (laughs) to some of those brands, by the way. Yeah. So that one, that one was really fun. Um, the events this year, we're doing two track events this year, same theme for both. And it's family haulers. So the unsung heroes that should never be on a racetrack were Pontiac Aztec has got to be in there somewhere, right? (laughs) Yeah. But these were just cars that, were around when we were younger and no one preserved them. No one cared about them. They're not really performance cars. Let's drive them as hard as we can. So, um, we've had the, the, the best one that showed up, which will not be coming back in October because it was too, too far gone to say, but, uh, a friend of mine showed up with a $200 Chrysler town and country painted in house paint. Wow. And we have photos of it going through a turn at the apex and the front and rear of it look like they're twisting different directions. (laughs) So, um, but it's a mix of like those and, you know, we had like three Mercedes station wagons. Mm. We had a, um, Mercedes S class with an oil pump held together by a Chinese food takeout container and JB weld, mm-hmm. um, creative cruiser, <laughs> like that sort of, you know, very terrible cars. Hmm. Seems like you give the uh, hoop to cross a, a, a good run for their money with that, that event sounds like a, yeah. a sight to behold for sure. It, yeah, the photos are fantastic, and it's it's a mix of those cars and then people who just show up in their daily drivers or their, like, weekend toys. So we had that Chrysler minivan sharing the track with an Alpha 4C. Nice. <laughs> like, and where else would you see that? Yes, yes, uh, that that is quite crazy. It's like, you know, not to you know self-promote on my podcast or anything, but at my car show, uh, we have had uh, Lamborghini Performante show up two years mm-hmm. in a row and it's like the first year he asked permission he's like do you mind if i bring it i'm like well it is your daily driver i'm not going to tell you no because who's going to say no you can't bring your lamborghini to our car show but at the right. same time like we had my 2013 chevy cruise that bless its heart i did not take care of like i have any of my other vehicles mm-hmm. among you know several others that had over a hundred thousand miles on them. So just a great, interesting event again, celebrating motorsport, celebrating for y'all celebrating just the love of vehicles for us. Right. Uh, I, I love that. That, that is awesome. It's, it's so fun. And, and half of the adventure is the story leading up to the event and people finding something. And, you know, I think this is the one and we're going to, you know, bring it. And I've, two friends who showed up in a 1995 Jaguar XJ6 and they were determined to find an XJ and it's, it's at remarkably it's in mechanically very good shape. The clear coat on it is completely baked, but otherwise it's okay. But they were determined to show up in a Jag. They did. And they did the full, like one of them dressed as a mechanic and one dressed as like the professor in the tweed coat. And they (laughs) leaned into the, the top gear thing of, you know, borrowing everyone's, oil paintings and silverware and mm-hmm. like people go really deep into the themes of this too, which makes it really fun. Plus you're in a jag. I can't do it. Exactly. Jeremy Clarkson. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. He's a jag. I can't do it. I'm going to stop. Um, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that, that is great. Uh, sounds like something to behold for sure. So 
in addition to all of that, you're also testing vehicles. You and I were talking just a little bit before hitting the record button. You're currently driving a Polestar 2 EV. I am. Mm-hmm. How are you liking that? I had a little bit of time in one myself and was blown away more so at the price point than anything else. Yeah, I this is the second one I've had. Um, so I had one last year that was a fully, fully loaded dual motor with every package on it. And then this one is a completely base car mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. that has nothing, you know, single motor, front wheel drive. And um, I like them both. The performance package on the first car, the Olin's dampers are really great on perfect roads. But in D.C. we have very awful roads and they were really, really bad. Um, mm-hmm. And you have to manually adjust them. So... Actually, I like this base car a lot because the ride is really good um, on the non-adjustable dampers. And yeah, I, I like the Google automotive yeah. operating system and interface. Um, you know, it's kind of comparable to a Tesla Model 3, but I am not a Tesla fan. Okay. So I, I prefer the Polestar for a lot of reasons. Yeah, so interesting that you bring up the Olin stampers because I had a oh I'm gonna butcher the year model but a Volvo v60 Polestar mm-hmm. here just for an afternoon uh, testing it for from a local dealer just because it was super rare and I took it on our historic brick streets here in Tyler Texas and yes like you said just completely terrible but then i also took it on some fun curvy back roads that were in good shape and so much fun and it's just been interesting to see how volvo now polestar is evolving and adapting for the modern era because that was a very interesting car in its own right it had a straight six but it was transversely mounted and Mm -hmm. just crammed under the hood of that thing and just screaming blue. I can't remember the actual name of it, but just spoke but to like neon blue. Yeah, spoke to me on, on a way that only bright colors can. So mm-hmm. yes, I, I really enjoyed that aspect of that one. I just wish they modernized it. I'm, I mean, I know it was used. I would love to see a modern version of that. I think yeah, it's more probably. And, and it's say. it's interesting with suspension in particular, and it's also interesting. Having done this, I've been doing the new car thing for two or three years now, and just seeing things back to back at similar price points mm-hmm. and who does what better, and and also thinking not just from me getting to play with this for four or five six days, but if you're going to spend fifty thousand of your own dollars on this, can you live with it, or is it going to be kind of a pain, right? Based on where you live and the types of roads and the type of driving you do, and you know, those Olins are, they're a racing mm-hmm. shot company and I have friends who run them on race cars and they're phenomenal, Right, but racetracks are repaved often and cleaned every morning, Right, <laughs> which like our public roads are not. So it's just an interesting choice. Um, but if nothing else with the, the Polestar 2, they offer you the option based right. on what you want. Right. I'll lean into the testing of vehicles a little bit more because I've been doing officially for just over a year now. You've been doing it a couple of years. And I don't know if you're like me in this aspect, but for so long, you know, growing up reading Car and Driver, watching Top Gear, like I know you do, you start to nitpick their nitpicks. You're like, oh, that's just, why Why are you complaining about this? Why are you complaining about that? But my wife is now kind of getting onto me because 
for instance, we had a 2022 S580 and mm-hmm. just a phenomenal luxury vehicle in, in its own right. But like I, I mentioned to her, the blinker on it just sounded cheap. Here we have a $122,000 luxury vehicle that just feels opulent in almost every way. And you put that blinker on and it's click, 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 click. Do you find yourself, you had mentioned driving vehicles back to back at at Mm -hmm. similar price points. Do you find yourself overly nitpicking now and falling victim to that kind of thing? I do. Uh, and, And I try to... I try to at least put things in context. Mm. Um, a lot of people, as relates to cars or in general, I think just don't care about details. Right. They don't notice them, or if they do, it doesn't bother them. I care a lot about details because I think it's not actually that hard to get it right. <laughs> do them right, um, which is probably a really blunt way to put it. But um, the the one I can think of, I had a, a, a 2022 Honda Civic Si, which is a fabulous car, mm-hmm. especially for the money. It's like mm-hmm. 27 grand. Uh, I loved it. But they have a an analog speedometer and then a digital screen that shows like your center uh, information bits and the tack is right. a round drawing of a tachometer. And when you start the car, it does a gauge sweep where both needles move from zero to their 100% positions and back down. And if you watch the video, I filmed it, the digital one is like a quarter of a second behind. And no one in the world will notice or care, but it was the first thing I saw when I started the car. And then you couldn't unsee it. Exactly. (laughs) And I had to say something because that's my job. Right. But I also followed it up with none of you will ever care about this because you're going to be distracted and hit the start button and the car's on by the time you look at the gauges. Yep. Yeah, I I find myself getting very pedantic. And when I try to I try to to zoom out a little bit from those little nitpicks and say, okay, but in context, is this thing good or not? Mm -hmm. And is it good compared to its competition or not? Is it worth the price or not? Like those are the things that most people actually care about. I do think when you get to the really expensive cars where everything is pretty good, mm-hmm. that's where details matter a whole lot more. Yes. Because for, you know, 70, 80, $100,000, like things should be perfect. Right. I agree. So funny that you bring that up because I have leaned into, again, I referenced my wife earlier. I've brought her on board. So every press vehicle I do, I do one for me lifelong gearhead and you know i talk about the performance the specs the things that bug me uh, and we had a 2022 supra the 2.0 mm-hmm. and of course you know there's the whole well it's really a bmw there's the whole all the fake vents that they put on it and then this one was the two liter so it wasn't even the fast one quote unquote and then i i, I leaned really heavy into that starting off the video with her i was like do you care about any of that? And she's like, don't know what those vents are supposed to do, so it doesn't bother me that they're fake. She doesn't care that it's made by BMW. She loved how it rode. She loved how it drives. She loved how it looked. Why did any of the rest of that matter? And so exactly. my review is kind of like, oh, yeah, this, that, and the other. And hers is like, it's a beautiful car. Why aren't more people driving it? 
And so yeah. a nice yin to my yang. <laughs> I, I yeah. I, I feel strongly about the Supra. Um, I've driven, I think four of them. Um, I've driven a two liter and, and then a few of the three liters. And I, I'm a lifelong BMW nerd. I've okay. owned like 12 or 13 old BMWs and the Supra is imperfect and that makes it perfect to me because okay. um, it gives it some character. Um, and like I, I, I was talking with a friend of mine the other day and we, we agreed that a car having soul is just having some imperfections that car enthusiasts dub interesting. Right. Like if a car is too perfect, it doesn't have soul, but what is soul? <laughs> um, but the super, like, you know, it's a little short, it's a little twitchy when you really push it. Um, I don't care that BMW makes it. I, I do care a little that the Toyota badge has a BMW part number, like it's their flagship car and like, yeah, you know, whatever it's, it's more BMW than Toyota, but it, the option was either for it to exist this way or to not exist at all. So I'm glad it's here. And like, that's the context that I think a lot of enthusiasts don't understand. And it's one of those, it's kind of a hot take that comes from like watching Top Gear and just re like regurgitating what they're saying. Right. Right. Which frustrates me. Um, <laughs> my, my mom has, we're, we're going to go down the weird car rabbit hole for a second. My yes. mom has a 2005 stick shift Chrysler Crossfire. Interesting. And okay. It is. Hers is a convertible, not the hard top, but Jeremy Clarkson famously said that the hard top crossfire looked like a dog doing its business squatting. <laughs> and if you talk to 80% of enthusiasts, they will regurgitate that line mm -hmm. and have no other insight about the car. Mm -hmm. And they think they're very clever. And that drives me nuts because the car is not actually very good. Right. Um, the first gen SLK was not like a driver's car. Right. But... At this point, you know, 15 years removed from those being sold new, they were kind of a sales flop and they're tremendously interesting. They come from a really fascinating time in automotive history mm -hmm. and it's like driving a concept car around. Yep. So I get frustrated with the people that regurgitate random viewpoints from popular people who can't just take something for, you know, put it in context and say, oh, like that was a really weird thing that existed and you know is it good or not i don't know yeah 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 I, I agree with you on that one because i get a lot of that myself it's like okay well have have a thought like have an exactly. original thought <laughs> channeling my in, inner michael scott but you'll see the trolls come out online that'll comment oh, yeah. everything and i'm like okay well have you driven it or are you just being a spec sheet jockey because that was my entire angle on my solo review of that Supra on paper. Even I scoffed at it. I was like, okay, it's slower. Yeah. 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 Having driven the 3.0 on the track, I knew how good the track, the chassis was. I knew how good the suspension, the steering and the entire package was. And then getting the 2.0, you know, knowing it's detuned and all that, but here on city streets, I was like, this is really good. This is I like it. This is better than anyone needs. Yeah. And that's the, the thing. The two liter, I think, turns better because there's less weight on the nose of it. Mm -hmm. And I I have one friend with a three liter supra that is tuned. Okay. Onto like the yeah. beyond, like bigger turbo, you know, different tune, whatever. 
And I, every time I see him, he's let me drive it once. And I think the factory three liter Supra is astonishingly fast. Yes. And I don't know why you need to tune one to be even faster. And he, he likes For doing you know, track events. He comes to our events and everything. Like he, it's not like he just does straight line stuff, right. but it's, it's one of those where, you know, just because you can, should you, did you make it better? And yeah, the two liter I think is fun because it's more accessible mm-hmm. performance. You can play with it on the street and not be go to jail speeds. Kind of that uh, James May philosophy of vehicles are more fun at their limits and yes. you're more likely to find the limits of the two liter than the three liter in exactly. normal environments. Yes. Uh, I would say, and I keep bringing up my poor old car, but that's why my little Chevy Cruze is so much fun. It is a six speed manual for mm-hmm. a little 1.4 liter eco tuned <laughs> four liter. But again, that James May principle of being fun at the margins, at the limits, squealing right. the tires is fun no matter what you're in. Like, right. And, and it's more fun. I mean, everyone got all bent out of shape going back to the Civic SI. You know, oh, the new one has five less horsepower than the old one. And like, being it a, doesn't matter. That's being a spec sheet jockey. It's being a, yeah. And, and the reason I, I said this in my video, I'm, I've been, I've gotten very good at being exasperated in front of a camera with no other humans around. Um, it was like, you shouldn't care about the missing five horsepower because if you actually read the press release, they lighten the flywheel by 26%. It revs way faster. They improve the steering. Like they made it a better car. Who cares about five horsepower? Well, Honda apparently saw all of that and even though they haven't given us numbers on the type r yet they're like it'll be more powerful trust us like <laughs> right it will be more powerful so we're not repeating that mistake exactly <laughs> uh speaking of the type r that's another one again my lifelong gearheadedness I- i'm an american v8 guy so mm-hmm. when it comes to small turbo japanese jdm all that stuff I'm always like, okay, it has its place. It's just not for me. I had a chance to get in a used 2019 Type R, and I'm like, okay, I get it now. Like, I'm drinking <laughs> the Kool-Aid. My goodness. the Going back to, I know you're talking about the uh, attention to detail in your SI was a little bit of negative, but when it comes to the performance of that Type R that I sampled, Holy cow, the total package is just spot on. And that six-speed was so good. They, they are very good cars. So I am very anxious to get in the new Type R because, again, my tester was used. It was the mm-hmm. outgoing generation. And just seeing where Honda is going and what they're capable of, um, yes, please get me behind the wheel of that one now. Yeah, I, I suspect the new one will be really, really good. Yes, and again, going back to there, we promise it's more powerful. It'll probably only be five or ten horsepower, but you know right. what? Five or ten it'll, horsepower. It'll make all the all the people on Instagram at least be quiet, and then all of us who have a little bit more of a clue will understand why it's better than the outgoing model. Yep, yep. I'm, I'm going to steal from our random misfire questions at the end of the segment here, and kind of pick your brain of what has been one of your favorite cars to test as of late. So this is an easy answer. Um, I've got my spreadsheet up, but I don't have to look at it. Um, I, I happened to get this scheduled over the weekend that we hosted our, our track event this past spring. 
Okay. Um, it, the dates happened to coincide. So then I emailed and said, can I put it on the track? I have rented a whole facility, et cetera, et cetera. Um, I had a Cadillac CT5 Blackwing with a six-speed. Now you're speaking my language. It was, it was, it was so special in a lot of ways um, to have that loan. And you know, the car itself is tremendous. Mm-hmm. It is, it represents the best of like an end of an era. You know, not only for Cadillac, but just you, you're not going to get a big V8 rear drive stick shift sedan. Like we're we're not going to do more of those um, as, a, as a, an industry, and. I also, you know, having the fact, the, having the ability to have an event with, you know, a hundred people where everyone got to get rides. Mm -hmm. We were using it as like, you know, a sighting lap, pace lap sort of car, um, doing slow speed stuff. And it was full every single time. And my parents came down to see the event and see me. Um, Mm -hmm. the event was on mother's day weekend accidentally, um, Oops. I got booted by a week. So then I called my mom and was like, hi, uh, <laughs> if you, <laughs> you want to get together on Mother's Day, uh, I've got the racetrack rented for you. Um, but, you know, being able to share that car with both of my parents, having built this this brand and this business, it was very much like this is this is a peak for, mm-hmm. for me for Out Motorsports was to have a very special, cool Cadillac. That's awesome. So, yeah, one of the highlights of the year for sure. Well, I am a board member of Texas Auto Riders Association. I mentioned earlier getting the Supra out on the track. We uh, do a spring event every year uh, that has traditionally been hosted at Texas Motor Speedway. They've got a road course on the middle of the track. At that point in time, I had a Hyundai Tucson. (laughs) No track time for me in that one. But what was funny was the VP of events was in... Uh, He was actually on his transition day, so uh, his first day out there, he was in a Ford Explorer XLT, and of course, we had to go out and put cones out and stuff to make sure people weren't idiots on the track. Gotta love it. And so we did a warm lap, I will say, in a Ford Explorer XLT, and let me tell you, riding shotgun and in the back, because I was the cone guy, in an an Explorer on a track that wasn't an ST model. I had to go and sit for about 30 minutes to let my equilibrium <laughs> rebalance. The body roll on that thing was ridiculous. And so the fact that you got one of, like you said, a, a modern icon that will be legendary for being one of the last uh, while on a track with approval, just the perfect storm there for you. That's awesome. Yeah, it was it was very special. Um, they they launched that car VIR, um, mm-hmm. which is one of the tracks I race at okay. often every year. And part of my pitch back to Cadillac when I said, "Hey, this got scheduled," was it, it was in nicer words. It was you launched this car at VIR. I love it there. I know it like the back of my hand, and I didn't get to drive it there. Yeah. So I've got some Please? point booked. Can I drive it here instead? And they were they were super cool about it. They loved the coverage, um, and and were working on some ideas for some other Cadillac uh, V series stuff. Awesome coming up. So awesome. be interesting. We'll interesting to follow that story and uh, yeah. that thread how it goes. All right. Exactly. Well, I I do want to be respectful of your time. I don't want to hog your entire afternoon uh, there. So. 
I want to close out with a fun segment I like to call Random Misfire. And I've got a long list of like 20 questions. I will pick my eight favorite or the ones I feel are most applicable after talking with you here for a half hour so far. Because in my opinion, all engines should have eight cylinders. So here we go. Uh, Eight questions. Are you ready? Let's do it. All right. So first one. I ask of everyone, irregardless, and I threw that in just for my wife, of what the background, their background is, but do you name your vehicles? The only car I have ever named, and I've owned north of 20, Okay. I had a 2018 Ford F-150 that was Clifford the Big Red Truck. <laughs> All right. And other than that, no. Well, now I have to ask, side note, this doesn't count towards the eight. What are some memorable vehicles in your past life? <laughs> Ooh, I had um, I had a BMW 128i, six-speed, sport, cold-weather, premium, fully loaded, black on red. And uh, that was one that I loved because it defied the numbers queens. Mm-hmm. Everyone's like, oh, why didn't you get the 135? Why not? Why not? It was a modern E36 M3, and it was a fabulous car. Um, I had an L322 supercharged full-size Range Rover that was... That was the car that made me feel like I've made it. Um, So amazing. Uh, I only had it for six months because I bought an enclosed trailer, and it it was too soft to really tow the trailer well. Um, And then I currently daily a um, 2013 Porsche Cayenne diesel which is a tremendous car. Um, it, I just did 600 miles of towing with it through the Allegheny Mountains in Pennsylvania, which is punishing. Right. And it's just fine. Yeah. It's just, it's unflappable no matter what you do with it. Awesome. Awesome. All right. Uh, let's see here. Burnouts or donuts? Ooh. Donuts. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody's got their favorite, like, stupid thing to do when they get a cool car. And, uh, yeah, okay. Uh, some of these I feel like you've already touched on or answered, so I kind of skip. Uh, on road or off? I know you do a lot of track stuff, but. I do a lot of on road. I, I really love on road driving and, you know, finding the limits of grip and, you know, keeping tires happy and all that good stuff. Um, I think I surprise people when I say that despite all that, I actually enjoy off-roading because both with racing and off-roading, the the challenge is the same. It is where is your circle of traction and where are you putting your tires? Mm -hmm. So I do enjoy off-roading. The unfortunate thing about living in the DC area is there's only a few trails within a like two or three hour drive of here. None of them are, actually very challenging if you're you know anything beyond a novice right yep that's the thing that's kind of confused me here lately with this just insane push for more and more off-road capable or even soft road type vehicles Mm -hmm. like you're buying this but when is that ever going to see dirt (laughs) yeah it's interesting it's, I, I had a Subaru Outback Wilderness, and then, of course, everyone seems to have followed that formula of, like, mm-hmm. all-terrain tires, maybe a, a, the world's most adorable lift kit, and, like, a roof rack. 
And I just want to know how many people are actually going camping so much that this makes sense. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. But I'm seeing them on the road. Um, I would prefer more street-focused performance stuff. Mm -hmm. But I guess they sell. Um, I think if you go further out west, you know, there's more desert space and just general space to like go do those sorts of things you know around the east coast which is not what were your thoughts on that car because we had one loaned to us by a dealer Uh, we've got an off-road park within an hour that we were helping with a commercial shoot and we did some high-speed stuff in it off-road and i would buy one we took it to the same the the trail that i can take everything to it's got as much ground clearance as a g-wagon Mm-hmm. which I find hilarious. We um, had it out next to a TRD Pro 4Runner, and it had 0.1 inch less. Like, yeah, yeah. It's it's like they did, they put the hardware in place mm-hmm. to make it more capable. Um, I t- it did fine on this trail. The, the X-Mode software is great. Mm-hmm. Um, I have video of it three-wheeling to get through stuff, like mm-hmm. a foot in the air, and it's just fine. We've Didn't got care. video of it two wheel <laughs> opposite <laughs> corners. Amazing. Like it, it, yeah, yeah, yeah. They they did a nice job with it. Okay, okay, yeah. I, I had to ask just because, like, again, we did some faster stuff in our video, mostly because for that faster stuff, we weren't necessarily the ones driving it. It was our film crew doing it for the commercial, and it was just unused footage. But people have commented that we're like the only ones that have done that on YouTube. And I'm like, well, here you go. Have fun. So when we got the uh, Forester, which I did not like as much, I was like, okay, how do I get that magic in a bottle again of just Mm -hmm. the perfect storm of all that? But all right. All right. Well, I have to ask this question. I just added it today because before I jumped on the call with you, kind of peek under the curtain of when we're recording this. Chevrolet announced the 2023 Colorado, and long story short for me, so much want, so -hmm. much want right here, Uh, but kind of leads me into, I live in Texas, and full-size pickups are the family vehicle of Texas, but what is your preference, especially living in the Metro DC area, midsize or full-size? What's more fun to you? Because there's a war going on in both size classes. There really is. So I have owned three half-ton trucks. Okay. Um, it is because my, with the, the race car trailer, it's a 20-foot enclosed box trailer. Um, it's aluminum, so it's not actually very heavy compared to a steel trailer. Um, any half-ton will pull it. Mm-hmm. So I've had two F-150s and a Ram. Um, I sold the Ram last summer because I got $5,000 more than I paid for it. Um, That's always a win. Because the market is crazy. And I just always thought the Cayenne would be... Uh, a cool thing to have. And everyone said they towed like they, they punch up for how small they are. Um, most of those midsize trucks would not really work for me. The new Colorado, I think might. Mm-hmm. Um, and I have a very strong set of positive feelings for the cheap gladiator. Okay. Because it has so much personality again, imperfection uh, <laughs> as to soul. Um, I love the gladiator. My whole thing is that I, you know, parking is a challenge. Mm-hmm. I'm in, I'm in DC proper and you know, you pay by the parking spot and I have a, a tandem parking setup. So two spots nose to tail and the Cayenne is 
ultimately pretty small, which means I can park it anywhere. Right. Whereas my Ram, which is what I had most recently, was a crew cab long bed. So it, you know, you could. It was just a lot of three-point turns. Um, you could get it anywhere. It had air suspension, so I could fit it in a lot of parking garages and squat it down. But um, the Cayenne is a remarkable fit for my particular needs. Um, I think the challenge with a lot of new trucks, when you go midsize versus half-ton, is the price difference between the two is not so great. So a lot of buyers, if they don't care about how big they are, and you know, parking's not a concern, like in Texas. Well, just give me the bigger one, right? You know, who, who, whoever said I have too much space to bring people and things with me. That's been my critique of the modern midsize pickup truck because you get in the back seat and it's a little cramped. It's not super comfortable. The seating position and the taco is all around just not the best. There's just yeah. so many, I guess we'll say personality quirks to them mm-hmm. that you're like. Yeah, but for just a little bit more, I could have a V8. I could, and the fuel economy is not that far off. Right. So I, I could have a V8. I could have a big vehicle because full size trucks are just massive on the inside now. So, yeah, it, it's been an interesting point uh, in, in the pricing structure that manufacturers need yeah. to figure out. Yeah, it's very fascinating. I think part of the appeal of the Gladiator to me is that it's not just a smaller offering below a half ton. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not just a smaller Ram 1500. It is its own vehicle where it's a pickup truck, but you can take the entire roof off. Mm -hmm. You can take all the doors off. You can get it with a stick shift. And, like, it it is its own interesting type of vehicle, Mm -hmm. whereas, like, a Ranger versus an F-150, to your point, the one's not that much smaller than the other. The fuel economy is like, eh, for differences. Mm-hmm. If you're going to get a Ranger, like, I think either a Maverick or an F-150 would be a better fit. Yes. And, and, the, and then you've got, like, real price difference, too. And we even had a trimmer model, and we're, we were struggling to figure out, who is this for? Like, it, mm-hmm. so, yeah, okay. Let's see here. There's so many good ones, but like I said, I, I re- okay, here we go. More tech or less tech in vehicles? Oh, I have so many feelings. <laughs> we don't have all day for this. Um, I'll put it this way. One of the, I just had a, a Toyota GR86 a few weeks ago. Love um, that car. Love that car. Love the fact that it has knobs for the climate control. Mm-hmm a reasonably sized screen that will do CarPlay mm-hmm. that is low and out of your line of visibility mm-hmm. and is otherwise very analog. Yes. Um, I have a very strong set of feelings about how touchscreen everything is dangerous and it is implemented across the board because it is cheap and no one wants to talk about that. I think we are actively making drivers worse and causing more crashes because of touchscreens. Yes. Uh, very well articulated. Yes. I, I feel like I'm I'm on both ends of the spectrum because my all-time favorite car is a 69 Camaro Z28. Like, no tech. <laughs> None. Right. And I prefer it that way. Like, just good old classic American muscle. Yes. Fix it with a hammer. Jeremy Clarkson approach. 
Whereas mm-hmm. I'm also a tech nerd. I've got Apple everything. I'm drinking the Apple Kool-Aid and I'm like, oh, but that's really cool. And that's really cool. And, you know, Ford's got Blue Cruise and uh, GM's got, oh gosh, what do they call it now? I'm playing uh, Super, Super Cruise. Cruise. Yes, Super Cruise. And it's just all this cool stuff that the tech nerd inside of me grabs a hold of. And I'm like, yes, I want to test this out and see what it does. And then on top of that, you've got Apple saying, well, CarPlay this fall can control everything. And I'm like, right. We'll see how that goes. (laughs) Yeah. It's interesting. I'm with you on like Super Cruise and Blue Cruise. Um, I I think where I get irritated by tech is when it's implemented for the sake of innovation and not because it actually adds value. Mm -hmm. Like, I don't think I have a real problem with Tesla's full self-driving. That's just level two mm-hmm. driver assistance. Um, I think Super Cruise and Blue Cruise are really smart implementations of a similar idea right. but with pre-mapped highways. So the car knows where you are. Right. So you add redundancy. It's thought through. Mm-hmm. It's properly tested and it actually can be helpful versus ultimately being more of a distraction where it, lets you relax and then snaps you back to reality because it can't do as much as it promises it can. And I've said it before. I I feel so Ford and GM are doing very well with their autonomous air quote cruise control. I think Mm -hmm. the brand that isn't currently, but is the closest and could probably flip the switch today is the Hyundai family of brands. I was hoping you would say that they're, Everything driver assistance tech is so good all, yes. all the way through that. Like, I, I don't find it annoying, intrusive. It, it just works for me. And I feel like it is just a lawyer somewhere holding them back because I feel like they really could flip a switch and be there with GM and Ford. Agreed. Yeah. I, I think they're, they're probably playing it a little conservative, but what they have now I think is some of the best in the industry mm-hmm. for, for non mapped road mm-hmm. driver assistance. Yep. All right. That takes us very nicely into new or classic. Ooh. I'll let you know where I stand both, but <laughs> yeah, it's so it's interesting. Um, it's really interesting because a lot of the stuff that I like that would be considered classic or, you know, retro in some way like the radwood era cars or older depending on on where you go you get into this this budget conundrum and i've talked about this at length with a lot of my friends where if you gave me like 30 grand to spend it would be pretty easily by and large on something older Mm -hmm. that would be considered retro or classic um you know something 80s or 90s is probably where i'd end up if you said your budget is between like 40 and 60 grand, that opens up a lot of possibilities, both new or otherwise mm-hmm. of a lot of really good options. Mm-hmm. And I think talking about tech versus simplicity and, you know, new versus used and all this stuff, I have been on this kick for, for months now and I don't know if I'm going to go through with it or not, but I am really into a third, third gen Dodge Viper right now. All right. Which is like way counter to everything yeah. I've heard so far. I didn't expect and those words to come out of your mouth, so yes. No, most most people don't. But um 
But if you talk about like, what would you buy for 50 grand? There's a lot of great new cars or two year old cars that are, you know, very safe, full of tech, mm-hmm. great horsepower, um, decent fuel economy, plenty of fun. And I'm like, yes, please give me like the ladder frame with a truck engine that wants to kill you. <laughs> that sounds really great. Yes. Yes. It's personality, right? It is. It is. It adds so much personality. <laughs> Uh, speaking of personality, um, internal combustion or EV? Okay, I was talking about this with someone yesterday. Um, I really like EVs for for what they are. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, I've been driving this Polestar. Um, I've driven Mach-E's and Bolts and Ionics and, you know, you name it, probably driven it at some point. Um, I think for most people doing most things, EVs are at the point now where they are good enough, practical enough. Mm-hmm. Great. For my own needs, you're still, even with the F-150 Lightning and the upcoming Silverado, like you're not going to tow a decent, reasonable range between charges yet. We'll get there. So for me today, whatever I would be buying would be internal combustion. Oh, okay. So we like Hyundai. They mm-hmm. just had N-Day where they showed off the Ionic 6 in and this crazy hydrogen hybrid project, well, I forget the name of it, just absolutely bonkers design. Yeah, like, beautiful, super cool. So thinking of the, the other side of what you, not just towing, but just the, the fun just track stuff. Like we're getting there quicker than we're I thought we there. were. And, and there is a big appeal to me from a fun to drive quotient of just having insta torque mm-hmm. you don't have to wait for a downshift you don't like it's just go <laughs> it's all there and ready yeah. um what what's still i'm still waiting on which i don't know how well this is going to ever evolve but um i really have a hard time with the curb weight of everything mm. so yeah it can be powerful but i'm not like we talked earlier i'm not one of those in power as the end all be all spec mm-hmm. i'd rather be light and nimble and tossable and i don't I wouldn't say any EV is tossable right now. So I would agree. You know, Hyundai's got that these beautiful concepts. Yeah, like that would be super cool. I think it would be pretty and fun in a certain sense. I don't know if it gets me like emotionally wound up and excited because I can probably guess how it's gonna drive. Yeah. And and that is a whole other existential question that we don't have time for for answering is like how do you add personality? How do you make all these EVs? The more EVs we have as the market grows, how do you make them drive differently and behave differently yeah. from one to the next? And there are ways to do it, but I think it's going to be, it's just a whole different approach versus you've got different, you know, firing order and exhaust note and starter sound, like all these little things with a combustion car that add up to give it a certain feeling when you get in and turn it on. Yeah. We're not doing that with EVs right now, and I think maybe we can, but I don't know what that looks like. Yeah, it seems like we're playing with uh, walk-up lighting and lighting and lighting and more lighting when it comes to yes. EVs. Yes, and like animations on the screen, yes. and you know that that only does so much. Yes. All right, shifting gears just a little bit, uh, a little more personal here. Picture yourself; you've got a road trip coming up. Uh, going out to a track or something, going to be on the road for a long time. 
what playlist, what genre, what what are you putting on CarPlay? Ooh, it's a mix. Um, I can I can answer this because I just did 350 miles each way to to pit race. Um, it's a mix of modern, like top 40, like like Lizzo's new album just came out and is very like pump you up. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a mix of that sort of stuff and like 80s and 90s, you know, pop and rock. And I have like a really big thing for kind of terrible pop country okay. um, all the way back to like 80s and 90s to present that like, like I think the nickname is like stadium country, uh, yeah. like the stuff that follows the formula. And then there's the more classic country that is actually good. Um, I enjoy all of that. And then you'll occasionally catch me with like show tunes. Okay. Very eclectic. I would say yeah. I would agree with you on all those points. Probably a little less on the terrible country, more so on the actual country. Because again, you, you have to be in the mood for the terrible country. <laughs> yes. Uh, today, let's see. On my run, uh, I did early two thousands pop, but I've got an eighties playlist that just uh, gets me down the road like none other. So yeah, I'm all over. Eighties is good for like pumping you up. Yep. Yep. Well. Thank you so much for those questions. If you've got time, I'll I'll hang on to you on the line just for a little bit longer for our Patreon subscribers. I've got two more. For sure. But uh, before we close out this episode, where can our listeners find you, what you do? How can they get involved in some of those events that you're putting on that sound absolutely amazing? So the the best place to find us is either on social media or on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, all at Outmotorsports, or our website is outmotorsports.com. And then uh, if anyone wants to see me blathering on about new cars, uh, we are on YouTube again at Outmotorsports. Awesome. So very easy. And for those in the podcasting know, I will put links to all that down in the show notes, make it quick and easy for you. Jake, thank you so much for joining us and jumping on the call today. Absolutely. Thank you for having me. And we are so grateful for Jake and his time. I I definitely encourage, go check out his stuff. It it sounds like a blast out there. I'm definitely going to go make sure all my channels are following his channels uh, just because I, I, I want to see the images of that old town and country and just some of the the crazy things that show up at their events. So definitely go give him a follow, go give him a sport and what he's doing over there. Uh, Again, grateful for him spending the time chatting with me. Definitely going to keep in touch with him over the years because I I could very easily see him being a multiple time returning guest. So yes, very thankful there and thankful for you for listening each and every week to GT Garage Talk. You know where to find us. GTGarageTalk.com is our home for everything. Go find our YouTube reviews over at YouTube.com slash GT Garage Talk. And until next time, gearheads, bye.